I get a chance and privilege to introduce our speakers tonight. Um, this wasn't in my notes, but what the heck, I got the microphone. Um, the, the husband of the couple, so uh, Mary Rose and Ryan Verrett, uh, Ryan was actually um, in the seminary with me, and uh, he was scheduled to be ordained with me and another uh, classmate of ours uh, as a priest. But um, as God would have it in his eternal wisdom and plan, uh, he met a beautiful, intelligent, wise, and patient girl. Um, and fell in love, and I totally see why. And they have a beautiful family. They have six beautiful kids. Uh, they live in Bro Bridge and um, had the privilege to work with um, Mary Rose, uh, now Verrett, um, at the time when I was in Cecilia. So I was in Cecilia right before I came here. Um, we were trying to develop um, some marriage and family life ministry and um, just a beautiful um, encounter with her in ministry. And um, from that, um, formed this beautiful ministry, which now Ryan and Mary Rose lead, which is called Witness to Love. And they literally, and I can say this with, like I'm not making this up, they travel throughout the world um, really uh, visiting with bishops and visiting with priests and really encouraging priests um, to take marriage serious and, and take the renewal of marriage serious. So evangelization um, and all the things that the building blocks of family and why it's so vital to our church and why it's so important. And so um, very fitting for us to have them um, speak with us tonight, uh, as we call it family night. Um, it's a privilege and honor to introduce them uh, as my friends and just uh, fellow missionaries on the journey. So Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett, thank you all for coming. How about a round of applause? Thank you, Father. I want to say uh, job well done. I was holding the door up for a lot of the kids here going through, and like over half said thank you. When somebody says thank you, that's very humanizing. You ever notice that? Especially when a kid says thank you. Also, it's nice to be with our good friend, Father Michael. We were comparing earlier who has more hair and who has grayer hair. It's a little bit of a contest. We've been friends for a long time. Yeah, so he's kind of 50-50 right now. But um, anyway, it's good to be here. It's so good to be here. It's, uh, Father's introduction was great. It was, it was wonderful working with Father in uh, Cecilia for about five years. And um, the, the way the job was offered was uh, a bottle of wine at 8.30 at night and a knock on the door. And uh, Father said, I just need help. I need help with marriage prep. And uh, uh, so that, that was how the job started. And, uh, it's, and that's how Witness to Love started, the ministry. And it, definitely just an openness to the Holy Spirit. And definitely see that that same openness to the Holy Spirit that Father Michael had in Cecilia is alive here at, at Sacred Heart. So we're excited to share with you this evening, and uh, it's been a warm welcome. I want to set the stage with a little bit of an, an analogy. Uh, I heard this years ago from a, a uh, priest, Father uh, Michael also knows, Father Tom DiLorenzo in Boston. He said, being a Christian today and being a Catholic today is like being um, like a salmon. So does anybody know what's different about salmon compared to other fish? Miss Linda, what did you think it is? Miss Linda, you know? Okay. <laughs> a cut above the rest. Doesn't come out of a can, I guess. Anybody else knows? Wow. People, people know. That's amazing. Y'all are informed. So salmon go against the current and they swim upstream. Uh, they're not going with the flow and they're not floating, and they're definitely not at the bottom just hanging up 
scooping up the leftovers. I can't think of a better analogy in some ways uh, than everyone in this room right now because we are not floating in the same current uh, as maybe a lot of the other traffic right now. It's not a judgment thing. It's just a matter of uh, the, the, what we want to share with you tonight and reflect upon is what does it mean to be a Catholic family? What does it mean to be a family that is trying to, to grow in, in love of Christ and to serve Christ and what that feels like and looks like and smells like and all those types of things? Even coming here tonight, you were going against traffic, right? You were coming, uh, you were going against the flow and uh, I, I just, at driving here kind of in the dark and just think all the cars coming, we live just uh, between Brobridge and St. Martinville and just coming here, all the cars were coming, you know, against me and I was thinking, wow, all those people coming tonight, you know, whether you came from two minutes away or 20 minutes away, like you, you were most likely going against traffic for most of your drive. And um, when Ryan's talking about like being the salmon, going uh, upstream, what does that actually concretely look like? Right? It, it's one thing to say go against the flow, but, but what does that mean in your day-to-day -day decisions and, and how do you know kind of where you are and can you even do it? Right? What does it look like? What does it look like for you, for your spouse, for you as a couple, and for your kids individually and for you as a family? Um, and uh, I think that, that that's a discernment that, that, and an openness. Every kid is different. Every person is different. Every uh, marriage is different. And uh, kind of knowing where you stand, where your spouse stands, where your kids stand. So as we're speaking this, this evening, be thinking about, like, how does this apply to you? How does this apply to your spouse? How does it apply to you as a couple? And then each of your kids and then kind of where God is calling you as a family. So just to kind of be chewing on this. And another thing to add is that it's not like every day you're in the same place, right? You're changing. If you're actually going against the tide, you're going to be in a different place tomorrow than you were today. And if you're not swimming against the tide, you're going to go downstream, right? You're going to be, you're going to be pulled. There's no staying in the same spot. If you, if you grew up in this area and you have some type of connection to Cajun blood, then you know like family around here can be really interesting. I heard, I heard a, a, a definition of family was that family is like fudge. Anybody ever heard this thing before? that it's mostly sweet, but there's always a few nuts. And yeah, so maybe it's, maybe it's like pralines, right? So maybe we should say pralines instead. <clears throat> I used to think years ago that I had, I was not the nut, that it was some of my aunts because of the things that they would say, or you know, some cousin. But um, sometimes it starts to feel like a little bit later on now that we've been following Christ <laughs> in this path of marriage for 15 years, almost 15 years, um, that we kind of feel like the nuts sometimes, you know? I don't know if, you, if that makes sense to, if you would agree with that, but there is a, a different path. And so what we want to do now is we want to reflect upon a sequence that I think you would probably know well here at this parish, and it's the, the forming intentional disciple sequence. But I, like, we want to relate it to the everyday feel of families today. Um, and sort of that sequence. So you may be familiar with the sequence, these four stages of a relationship with Christ. There's the, the wanderer stage, the seeker stage, the disciple stage, and the apostle stage. Um, are you, raise your hand if you're familiar with that sequence, probably. Okay, so I'll just go over, so there's the, the wanderer stage, like just not really knowing where you're going. There's the seeker stage, 
the disciple stage and the apostle stage. So we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth in these four stages. And it's meant to almost be a little bit of a discernment as where where you are as a person, where you are as a couple, um, particularly because a, a family that is a missionary element to it is fueled by one thing, and it's the sacrament of matrimony. So the most basic fundamental building block of what makes anything possible, particularly even a parish that's thriving like this, is a sacrament of matrimony with, you know, fathers with, you know, giving us sort of the Eucharist. But I'm gonna talk about sort of the, the wanderer stage first. <clears throat> the wanderer stage um, is uh, really like when you find, um, you know, it seems like a lot of people that we just encounter. Um, you know, for probably a lot of us, our families uh, have come from heritages that have been baptizing their kids for a long time and getting married in the church. That has changed. It has changed a lot. Um, and it's sort of left people in a sort of a state where they not necessarily have a, a compass or a direction. They're not bad. It's not bad or good. It's just more of like an indifference. And they're not really certain. Uh, an, an example of that is that you know, in the 60s per se or 50s per se, and I'm not highlighting that to say we need to kind of go back to that moment in time because sometimes a bad moment in time gives us what we have today. But in the 50s and 60s, it was very rare that people would cohabitate. So we're in the marriage formation business, right? And so we're serving Christ that, and you know, three out of four couples live together before they get married. So we're talking about marriage and family. One of the things I learned recently was that um, that many people, because they have lived together before they got married, when they moved in together, they did that before ever meeting the extended family of the person that they were meeting. So like you don't meet the future in-laws until you, you actually moved in together. Very different than in the past. I just, it just dawned on me that, that we, we know cohabitating is bad. We know that it, it's, it's a recipe unless God redeems all that and change, transforms that. Statistically, you really at a, you, you, you put yourself at a disadvantage for a long-term marriage. So, so what happens is a lot of marriages today um, like are disconnected and sort of isolated. And so they kind of wander in a space. So that's the, that's the first stage. Obviously that's not in this room, but it is, sort of, um, it is sort of a big reality of what marriage is like in the whole, in the, particularly also in the United States, uh, just as a reference point, in around 1970, there were almost 500,000 Catholic marriages in the United States. Just this past year, there were only 97,000. It's, it's, it's really dropping. So when we talk about a family being missionary, we're confronting two things. We're confronting a decline in marriage nationally that affects communities and parishes, but we also just finding fam marriages just in general uh, without kind of a, a compass. Um, and to kind of take a, a step back fr from all this, like, why, why does it even matter? Uh, the, the, the home, your home, and we talk about this all the time, uh, your home is, is like a stepping stone into this home, into this church, into this physical building. And so uh, we like to say your home is a missionary outpost of this church. So I don't know if you ever thought about it like that, but these wanderers, whether it's your immediate family members, it could be, um, you know, your siblings, your cousins, it could be your parents. You know, you, you, you just, you all have in your family someone who's kind of just ambivalent. They haven't seen the truth. They haven't 
heard the truth in a way that, that, that soaked in. So they're wanderers. And so if, if you view your home as a missionary outpost of Sacred Heart Parish, then what should that look and feel like? Um, uh, we've, on Wednesday nights, we usually watch The Chosen with our kids, and you know they, they just love it. And we're kind of behind the bandwagon. We, we, we're, we're still, I think, in season two, or we're, I don't three. Oh, sorry, we just started three. Um, but I remember there's that scene where they all go run into the water. It's after the, the hemorrhaging woman is healed, and like all Jesus and all his disciples like put their bags down and they go run into the water and they're splashing and they're just having a good time. And looking at our kids' faces, they were like. Jesus is having fun. Jesus is laughing. Jesus is getting people wet. They were, they just thought it was the best thing ever. And um, I just, I was just really thinking like, gosh, when people come to our home, do they have like an experience of Jesus in us that would ca ca uh, cause a wanderer to, to, to kind of stop and, and try to see what's there? So I'm not saying you have to preach at people. Um, I'm talking more about just the witness. So um, what's going to draw a wanderer in is, is a witness that's um, not usually verbal. Um, it's an attraction to joy, to peace, to something that you have that they see in your life that you might not even realize the gift of what you have. Uh, when people come up to you, a lot of times in Witness Love, we say, you know, choose a, a married couple who's married five years or more, active in their parish, and has a marriage you admire. These young couples today, many of them are wanderers, and they're drawn to the way you treat your children, the way you treat your spouse, um, the joy that you have in your life. Um, and so, so just as we're talking about wanderers, uh, to remember there's people watching you, and you are drawing them to Jesus just by your joy um, and, and by your peace. So those are the wanderers. So the, the second stage now is sort of a seeker, and, um, and I, I think this is a, a relevant component. Um, a seeker is, is sort of a person that, or a couple or a family, that finds themselves in a place before they've had like a real encounter with Jesus Christ. And I don't know what your childhood was like, um, but I would just say, you know, I would just share with a little bit about mine. I was raised by, um, you know, I was one of four boys, and uh, we grew up in Brobridge and around extended family, and it was, um, and we, you know, we went to church on Sunday. Uh, we prayed the rosary regularly, kneeling down, and uh, it was very uh, kind of a traditional, um, and that was sort of our faith. It was, it was, it was, the, and then something significant happened, and um, when I was in the uh, like young, um, in the mid '80s, um, probably some of you recognize this be from this this region. There was a a lot of people lost their jobs. My dad lost his job in the oil field. There was a lot of people laid off, and um, I felt that there was a. Um, sort of a, a, a change that happened in our family uh, where um, there was just a lot of kind of uh, just negativity and a lot of bad habits. And I don't want to kind of point the finger in any direction, but it definitely, uh, there was a disruption and a, and a change in what happened, I think, at the time in my, my parents' uh, marriage and who've been married now 50 years, so they, they're doing really well. But me personally, uh, I, I think I, my dad had to kind of go away for a while, and then I, I missed some really key moments, I think, of being fathered during a, an important moment. And uh, for just an example, um, not been able to do as much hunting with him as probably other of my friends would do with their dads, or my, da or my dad coaching, couldn't do that as much more in some of the sports. And so things that 
change. This interesting that this 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 came up um, years later. Uh, in uh, had just uh, started college cause around 1997. I uh, had made a crusia. Anybody have made a crusia in here? And maybe some of you have. And my rector, the rector of the crusia, so the guy in charge, was just an awesome, awesome teacher of deer hunting. And he just loved taking people into the woods. He loved taking kids into the woods and just to show them. And, he, and so I connected, I connected with him as a rector and became a, sort of a small group leader. And so ever since then, for the past like 25 years, I've had the opportunity to go out with him in Whiskey Bay and other, some other men I've been in my Christia with annually. Um, just yesterday, uh, he called me and he's, uh, he's uh, been diagnosed with um, some cancer that is not going well. And it was, it was a really interesting, I mean, I was, I was just, just kind of, it, it was heartbreaking. Um, now he's gonna fight it, you know, and, but he was, uh, you know, someone that, such a strong model. I'm using this story because I think back then when I was young, you know, if you, you can kind of go through the faith, and you could, but you can stay a Catholic or a Christian and not really know Christ. And so what happens in a seeker stage, though, is that there's a, there's a contagious element to it. Um, what happens in a seeker stage is that, and we all do this, it's, there's, a, it's a, there's like the psychology of comparison that starts to like trigger. You're like, I want that, or I see that, and I don't have that. Now, it could be a good thing, or it could be a bad thing. But what happens in a seeker in evangelization, discipleship, is that they see something that they want, and it's God the Father speaking through it. And it's oftentimes, it's oftentimes, the amazing thing is that there's a gap in our lives that somehow, some brokenness, some area, and it could be big or small, depending on what your experience has been, some space that, that, that you know, God is going to heal and complete. And so this particular situation, when I learned how to, to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do was, was really um, impressive. But that, that you see that sort of distinction. But in a marriage, I think we also sort of saw later on in, in our own life is that we began introduced to couples before we even met that, that showed us, wow, I want a marriage like that. Or I want a family like that. Completely uh, superficial, right? I mean, it's very like, I, I see these things. I see the flow of a life. But, you know, that's, that wasn't really a bad thing. But it, it was something like in the Seekers, could, you could be compared to the Magi. We're getting ready for Advent. The Magi saw a star. And so what happens to the Seekers, basically, is they start to see a star, and they move in another direction. So if, if you know, you may be a Seeker, you may be a disciple. Most of us kind of, I'm going to say, I don't want to say we ping pong back and forth between the two, but, but there are elements of the two that sometimes you just feel more strongly, right? So between uh, seeker and disciple, there's kind of that, that St. Paul, that conversion moment, right? Where you're just like, God is the center of my life. I, you know, I, 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 you know you're, you have a singular focus. Um, but then, you know, something tragic could happen. Um, and then you kind of get off course and you're like, where is God? I don't see him in this. And then you kind of go back, all, you start drifting back to kind of seeker or wanderer, right? And we all know people who in their life and, and all of us have kind of gone through sort of cycles of this. Um, so, but to think about in your life right now, what are, what is that star? What is that that God is kind of using to pull you to himself? It could be um, really holy friendships. 
It could be, um, it could be, uh, you know, just kind of your dedication to maybe a particular cause, or um, you, know, you might be volunteering at St. Joseph's Diner, or you know, uh, something like that. But like God can use uh, even very mundane things to draw, you know, like a star, <laughs> um, to to draw uh, you to Him. And so, to just to try to think, what is it in your life right now? that's drawing you to God? And then what is a distraction? Like, what is it that you might uh, be putting between you and what, what God is using to call? Um, it could be, you know, uh, people's esteem for you. It could be, um, you know, being worried about, you know, starting to, you know, well, get more gray hair or whatever. You know what I'm just saying? Like, there's things that God can use. You know, we're both in our 40s, so, you know, watch out. But, um, right, but, like, you start to compare yourself to other people in all kinds of different ways. Somebody's more fit or um, more articulate or um, their kids are turning out, like, I wish my kids were like their kids or, or whatever it is, right? So um, to what is it that's getting in the way of, of drawing you closer to God? Um, is it your life's too busy? Like you need just to create more space, more quiet. Um, where can you a oh, place to encounter him? So, um, and then there's that that conversion moment. And so to think in your life. So if you if you do kind of consider yourself a disciple, just sold out for Jesus, uh, can't get enough of Jesus. You, you pray every day. Um, you pray with your spouse. Um, you you pray with your kids. Like you're just all in for Jesus. And I, and I suspect in a parish like this, there's more than the average parish, but you might also be like, that's just not me. Everybody hears that. I'm not that. I'm just not there yet. Like God hasn't given me that, that insight or that grace or that, that push, or maybe I have things that, that need to heal and I'm just not there. And I feel like everybody else is on fire and lit up, but I'm not. Um, and so, uh, and maybe at one point in your life you were, and then something happened. So I guess to say to, to those who just feel like I haven't had that, you know, exciting conversion yet, um, uh, you know, St. Saint, uh, Saint Thomas was the only apostle that Jesus said, you know, put your hand in my side. It was, it was, it was only Thomas, and he gets labeled doubting Thomas, but he really should be labeled believing Thomas, right? Um, so if, if you are uh, more identifying with Thomas, or if you're more identifying with John the Beloved, who's just like, Jesus, let me put my head on your heart, and, you know, I'm your favorite, right, Jesus? Um, you know, where are you in that? Um, but uh, just to, to, to know that, like, never give up, never compare your spiritual life to other people's spiritual life. Um, God, God doesn't compare us to each other like that. God has given you a specific grace, a specific vocation, this time in your life, and, and that's what is important and nothing else. And it's saying yes to that. Okay, so I just, I know that you can get, kind of get caught up in that. And um, I, I had gone to Christendom College, which is a super awesome Catholic college. Uh, I was one of only two students who came from a divorced home. I uh, just, what, I just felt like I was like the odd man out on everything and everybody else would be doing, you know, morning prayer and adoration and mass once or twice a day and evening prayer and like a rosary, you know, on their knees in Latin. And I was just like, I just can't do that. Let me go for a walk in the woods. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and, and it just, it took me a lot longer to kind of come around, but I remember kind of that comparison. Um, and, and that just wasn't helpful. So, um, yeah, so the important part. So we went through the first few stages. So the wanderer stage, the seeker stage, and then there's the apostle, the disciple stage and the apostle stage. But I want to just stand in the middle for a a little bit right in the middle is just imagine if you see this sequence um this this scale per se 
that right in the middle is the cross. Right in the middle is Jesus Christ. And, and I just wanted you to think for a second and reflect upon, you know, with us, what, what conversion feels like and what happens during, during conversion. Um, you know, and it's right, we're human. You know, the, the book of Proverbs says, even the just and righteous man sins seven times a day. So it's not like this, we're all human and we're all still, you know, getting through this uh, together. But what is, you know, what happens during a conversion? Like, what, what is that distinguishing that component? Well, you know, so just to go down to just solid, basic Catholic catechism, where a, a body, a mind, and a soul, and I know you know this, we're body, mind, and soul, but I want you to think about these three components because it's relevant to actually how we grow, and I think it's, you know, as we're all, we're all really concerned about our children, who we want our children to remain Catholic, how do we, you know, like model that? So, you know, first of all, you know, we have the, the, a mind. Unfortunately, a lot of faith, and it's a reason why Witness to Love kind of came out of, like, a lot of marriage prep in the past, and the old way of doing it is, is like a, an ac academic course. Nothing wrong with good books, nothing wrong with good content. It's really important. But it's, it's highly intellectual. And it's like a drill to you kill. If any of your teachers, you know, you just have to get this engaged couple through a test. That's not enough. That's, that's not enough at all. We need solid information. But, you know, the other side of that is that the, we're, we're a body. So very important to us is virtue. Um, if you're, you know, a lot of, for, I'll give an example. When I was around seventh or eighth grade, I had an uncle introduce me to pornography. Probably the worst thing that ever happened that should have happened. Thank God it wasn't in this time where, you know, where it, it's so accessible on phones. But, you know, it was just like through like magazines and things. Uh, I did, you know, you give that to an eighth, an eighth grade boy. I mean, that's like talk about turn of the tide on where it needs to be. Um, you know, I, and that was a thing that was like a struggle for me until until I did something really important and before Mary Rose and I even met when I was in grad school. Is that I signed up for something called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is like a it's a it's a, it's a program. That, um, that monitors and filters everything that you look at on your computer and gives to your, your three other people, friends, a daily report on everything you've ever done. And you know, I did that for several years and it, that, that like shining the light on that area was so important to thank God I covered that before we got, we got married. Um, but it was, I, I'm saying all that because we're a body and we grow in virtue. We need to grow in virtue. We need to get, we need to get back to like living the basic 10 commandments, but you can't do that through just reading. How, how have you ever gotten past a bad habit or a sin? You know, we can go to confession often. That's important. But there's another aspect to it is that we can't ever do it alone. You can't pull yourself out of a hole alone. So another aspect of witness love which is just a complete view of the person is that you need to do this together with someone. So that's why we have a spouse, you know. That's why somebody like a family to love us. But find, the other part is now we're a soul. And I think what happens ultimately in an authentic conversion is that, you know, for those of us who have had any type of past that left us feeling intoxicated, lost, depressed, um, just you know, disconnected, that ultimately what has to come up in us is a desire and like a true wanting for the good life. And I tell it to our kids, you know, we have six kids. We're, we're yeah, we're, like, we're the nuts. We love 
the church, we love the faith. We love Jesus. We love what's possible in Christianity and all these types of things. I don't know, you know, sometimes I think, why do we think about this stuff so much? It just is what it is. You know, I'm grateful for it. Uh, but at the same time, we want to pass that on to having children. One of the, one of the biggest draws, of, like to model, if you want to be a, a family missionary disciple in the world, is to show that when you have children, that in passing on culture, and I don't mean just the culture of like Cajun culture, but the culture of a, an authentic home and community and faith, that one of the best, said, most fulfilling things, rewards that's understood in psychology is when you can pass on something that's meaningful to you to your children. And so we're starting with that component. So that desire of con conversion would be that main component where we say, you know what, I, I really want to go in that direction. So how are you like, have I gotten there yet? I think it's when you got to that point, you could say, you know what, I'm gonna choose you, Lord, and I know that I'm human and I can recognize this. And you say a bunch of things when you get to that point. Guess where they are? Mary Rose knows those three phrases that we should be saying every day, right? What are they, the things that couples are saying, these missionary couples? The police, thank you, and I'm sorry. Yes, why don't you tell me? <laughs> um, this is, I'm interviewing Mary Rose. Oh. <laughs> Um, please thank you, and I'm sorry. I mean, you've probably, hopefully, said all of those to your spouse at least once a week, but hopefully every day. Um, definitely the please, definitely the thank you, and I'm sorry is is probably necessary more than you think. And uh, we always, whenever our kids say I'm sorry to, you know, someone else. Uh, like here's an example, like one of our kids, you know, maybe they bump into somebody or they make them spill something and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And let's say it's a babysitter or a friend or something and, and they say, oh, no biggie. Like basically not acknowledging the apology. And so in marriage, you know, saying please, you know, this is part of, again, like just teamwork, like, I, you know, I need your help. So it being, being uh, able to be uh, sort of dependent, codependent, you know, on your spouse, um, interdependent, like there's, there's a, you need to work together. Like you, you, you're, it's your, it's your spouse, it's your partner, it's your helpmate, right? So not trying to do something, even if you could do it by yourself, maybe you should just say, please, you know, come, let's do it together. Like making the bed in the morning, for example, way easier with two people. Um, right. <laughs> um, and then saying, thank you. Like you can't say thank you enough, especially if your love language is words of affirmation. Um, you just like, it's not like, oh, I need my ego stroke. It's just like saying thank you is, is a, a good and beautiful thing, especially to your spouse, to not take your spouse for granted um, because that can happen very, very, very easily. Um, and then I'm sorry. Um, your spouse, like on your wedding day, you, you made a promise to, to, to love, honor, and cherish them. And so you owe your spouse far more than you owe anybody else. But often, our spouse is the person we are the least loving, honoring, and cherishing of, especially when we're in a bad mood. Or, you know, I'm part Irish. When your Irish is up. I'm also part Jewish, so he just, you know, he's got both. And he's Cajun, so I don't know. And we're both type A, so sometimes there's a few sparks. Um, but um, then there's the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. So full circle, here we go again, you know? So, but, uh, but really saying, I'm sorry, um, uh, is important not just for your spouse to hear but also for your kids to hear um, there was a couple that told us they said oh we never argue in front of our kids well guess what every couple argues it's okay to argue in front of your kids as long as it's like your spouse isn't the problem but the problem is the problem and you're solving a problem right 
because um, if you win an argument, you're married to a loser, right? So you don't want to win an argument. You want to solve a problem. And so your kids should hear you say, I'm sorry if you cross that line. And so that, that's important. And if we, like, get our voice raised a little bit, like, and we're getting into it, our kids will say, Mommy, Daddy, it's not very witness to levy. And so, <laughs> um, you know, so they kind of hold us, uh, hold us high there. I think, yeah, it's funny when I was mirrors and saying, please say please, thank you, and I'm sorry. I almost took the microphone out of hand when I've been saying please. You see, <laughs> I'm still working on things, but I want to just, I want to sit with that, that saying, I'm sorry, because ultimately the sacrament of matrimony is about us being redeemed and reconfigured to Christ and to the, being made in God's image and likeness. Uh, probably the thing that is the most humanizing and liberating for us is when we have the courage to say, I'm sorry. It, it, this, it, let's see. Let's just do this for a second. This might be even just freeing. Raise your hand if you feel like you have to really work at saying, I'm sorry, if it takes a little bit. Okay, just about, yeah, a lot of people. Have you ever had this experience? And it's mostly me saying, I'm sorry. Um, Mary, I just I have this personality that... Yeah, and I, you know, I heard this man say one time, he says, God, he said, my prayer every morning to Jesus is that Jesus, keep your right hand on my shoulder and your left hand over my mouth, and I'll do great today. I mean, I think it was a great prayer. I heard this from this old guy one day. But I, I've done it before where I felt like I'm just like laying in bed and I know I need to say I'm sorry. You ever did that? And it's dark. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Just, has anyone ever did that? Just, you're like, okay, the seconds are counting, and I know I'm not going to go to sleep till I said it, so I'm sorry. And then she's like, I forgive you. But it's an amazing thing. It's probably what Jesus, anybody ever had that experience like that? You just, it, and it's probably, it's probably the, the, that, the, the breakthrough of grace that comes through that. It just, just as something to say. Also, um, so the next stage is the disciple stage. The disciple stage is, for families and couples, it's probably like the stage of when you're making a crusia, when you're making the acts, when you're doing something like that where you just, I am ready to jump into it. Um, and there's a lot of enthusiasm and I can't get enough podcasts. I can't get enough of Father Michael, Michael's homilies, right? You just, you go into like four masses on a Sunday here to just to get every homily. He's like, yeah. But, you know, so that's, that's a disciple stage, which means you're really to, to study, you know. And then finally, the fourth, the fourth stage is the apostle stage. And I think uh, that, that is a stage whether I think it's, it's easier or not, it gets us to a point where I think we can really um, say, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you with a lot of things. I'm going to trust you with our finances. I'm going to trust you with a lot of unresolved questions we have. I'm going to trust you with I'm losing this argument with my teenage daughter. Um, I'm going to trust you with fertility. That's a hard one, right? I'm going to trust you with. A, I'm going to trust you with this relationship with this older person that I think I don't know if it's ever going to get resolved before they die. Like, there's just a lot to put in God's hands, um, and I'm just giving you some practical examples of what it what it feels like. But ultimately, I think when when Mary was saying, we really believe it that you know early in the early church we have a painting in the front, Priscilla and Aquila from the Acts of the Apostles. When St. Paul was, was in the culture, 
in Rome, in, 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 you know, in the Holy Land at that time, there were, the Christians were being assaulted and they were being persecuted and they were being martyred for their faith, right? They were, they were the nuts and they were seen like, you know, outlandish. But there was this couple, there was this couple that welcomed St. Paul and fed him and gave him some wine like we did Father Michael, you know, years ago. Or they were welcoming other couples. Like in your, some of, many of you are mentors for Witness to Love. You are these homes, these, these homes, these, um, these missionary outposts, like the kids out the door saying, are they at the door right now? But a point is, is that, that this is sort of where we are today again. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's been a gift being with you here tonight. And uh, when Ryan says, uh, you know, when he says, I'm sorry, there's also a longer, less abbreviated version of that, that, um, that we, we usually share at yep. nights like this. So maybe if you want yep. to. And the way this came about is when, when Witness Love first started uh, and I left, I left the job I was doing eight years ago, it was, it was a risk we took. Um, and I, someone challenged me to do this, to do this for a year. Um, and, uh, but we stepped out, kind of some comfort zones. Uh, everybody thought we were crazy, uh, but thank God we did, we did. But it was stressful. We were driving around the country a lot in rented minivans, eating a lot of bad food. And um, it wasn't Cajun. <clears throat> And, um, but um, there was one moment we were in Detroit and I was at a shrine of uh, Father Solanus Casey, amazing uh, Franciscan uh, saint, or blessed up there. And I met this young priest and I said, Father, you need to go to confession. And I said, Father, I said, I want to confess to being impatient. Has anybody ever confessed that? I mean, that's like so low on the scale, by the way. Like it gets, it gets more complicated <laughs> as you go through this, this spectrum and back and forth. But he says, yes, he said, he said, but also he said, he said, I want you to, tonight, I want you to go home and I want you to put your hand on um, Mary's heart and everyone else's heart. And I want you to say a prayer with them before they go to bed. And um, he said, this is your penance. And so I'm going to say this prayer with you. So if you could hold your spouse's hand and uh, share this prayer with you, um, and maybe you could paraphrase it or take it to heart your own self. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of my spouse. Thank you for the gift of uh, our, our marriage. Thank you for the gift of the holy bond of sacrimony, of matrimony. Lord, I just recognize the, um, the brokenness and the incomplete way that I have uh, oftentimes approached my spouse, bringing my children. Lord, any gaps that I've created in our family uh, that have been a place of discord or brokenness or pain or resentment or confusion or taking us away from you, Lord, that we would pray that, that this gap would be filled by you. Because, Lord, we know that you, God our Father, are the only one that's perfect, only one that's completely fruitful, only one who can love totally. And, uh, and we just ask, Lord, that uh, the Holy Family uh, would fill this gap, that Jesus, that St. Joseph, uh, and the Blessed Mother would fill the, the gaps in our own family, in our own life, so that we can be complete. Uh, and be the missionary family and the light in the world that you are calling us to, to be. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, we, uh, Father, allowed us to, uh, we have some, some of the things. We have a, a, a book we just released on, on kind of a roadmap for being a missionary, family missionary disciple. It's uh, in, in the back. Uh, and um, any donations you want to make for that are, are appreciated. But we appreciate your prayers. It's good to be in a witness to love parish. Uh, we definitely can feel it and see it. Thank you all. Thank you, Father. Do I give the mic?
Our kids are slowly going to make their way back to, uh, to their parents and join us. So we are gonna um, we're gonna have uh, some opportunity, some time uh, for adoration to be with Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, for those of you who have never been with Jesus in the Eucharist before, uh, in adoration, um, and I know most of you, all of you know this, but um, y'all see? Can y'all can y'all see me up here? Raise your hand if you can see me. Okay, raise your hand if you can see that gold little um, container right under the cross. Raise your hand if you can see that gold container. Okay, that's called a tabernacle. Um, it's a tabernacle, it's a very special place. Um, and we make it gold because that gold is the most expensive, precious uh, metal we can find because it's worthy of God. And so Jesus in the Eucharist is in that gold tabernacle. And Jesus is, um, he's present in the Eucharist so what we're going to do is we want to spend some time with Jesus because, but Jesus is so special that he wants to spend time with us and he wants to see us and we want to see him. And so we're going to bring Jesus out so we can see him and he's going to look at us and we're going to look at him. And you can uh, spend time in prayer however you want. You can just look at Jesus in the quiet without saying anything. And he can look back at you, and that's just, it's always good to spend time with friends. Or you can talk to Jesus in your own heart, in the quiet of your heart. You can just tell Jesus maybe what you learned today, or maybe you can tell him about your friends, or just how difficult today was, or maybe you can tell him thank you about whatever you want to thank him. Maybe um, you have some things coming up, or maybe you can think about how beautiful it is just to be with him. We may sing, and you can sing to Jesus. But we're just going to be with Jesus. And some of you, um, you can be with Jesus as you want to be with him. Some of you might want to kneel down. Some of you might want to stand up. Some of you can um, just get flat on the ground. That would be interesting, but we have space all over here. But what we're going to do is we're going to bring Jesus up here, and he's going to be really close to us. He's going to be in this monstrance. Um, this monstrance is going to uh, reveal and hold Jesus and if some of you want to come up, you're more than welcome to come get close to Jesus. You can come up here uh, near the front and you can uh, kneel down and just look at Jesus really close and he can look at you really close. Um, and that's okay. Just uh, make room for everyone if you do come up here. Um, we're just going to have a little time to prepare and then we're going to close up our night. Sounds good? Any questions? Okay. Why don't we get ready, and uh, Father Duga is going to bring Jesus out, and we're going to have some time for prayer with Jesus. Why don't we kneel?
You have given them bread from heaven. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us the Eucharist as the memorial and suffering of your death. May our worship of the sacrament of your body and blood help us to experience the salvation you won for us and the peace of the kingdom where you live with the Father and the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. divine praises. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.
Well, why don't we have a seat just for a few announcements and then we can get back home. I know we have school tomorrow. Just a word of uh, gratitude to um, Mark and Kristen Dunmore for uh, leading us in worship tonight. Thank you guys so much for being flexible. <laughs> um, I think Ryan and Mary Rose were at, I think they had to scoot, but um, certainly a, a word to them. If you don't know about uh, the ministry Witness to Love, uh, we'd love for you to, to find out more about it. Um, and if you want to just join them in partnership in their mission, uh, I know they would love your prayers, but also just um, their financial support helps. They really do um, travel throughout the country, throughout the, the world, uh, talking to bishops. And they were actually with the Pope um, in the big, there they are, they still here. Um, they were in Rome um, with a synod of uh, just family and marriage and with the big wigs. Uh, they were on this panel and uh, just beautiful to see them uh, really advocating for marriage. So we do use Witness to Love here in our parish. Um, I know a lot of people say, hey, I want to be uh, a mentor couple. Well, the best way that you can be a mentor couple is to just be a great couple. And um, the way that we have it set up is people will find you um, and ask you to be a mentor couple because they see something in your marriage. Uh, so um, if you scan the QR code, you can find out more about what it is to love. Next slide, please. Uh, we do need some volunteers for um, our Christmas basket. So um, if you're looking for a family activity, uh, I, knew, I know when I grew up, my mom would do this for me, and it made a huge impact in my life. We would bring food um, and clothing to uh, just a, um, a needy family, and we would walk inside, and we would see their faces, and we would uh, talk to them, and we would shake their hands, right? Real people have real needs, and so um, we're doing all the hard work for you. We're going to, uh, our parish is going to buy Christmas baskets and put them together. We're just asking you to volunteer to deliver them to the families. You get all the fun. Right, um, so we're just looking for families to bring these Christmas baskets to families uh, in need. Uh, the light is on for you. So uh, this Advent season, uh, we're going to do something a little different. We're not going to have an Advent mission. Our Advent mission is really going to be um, the, the Sacrament of Reconciliation and uh, Eucharistic Adoration. So every Wednesday of Advent, um, we're going to have Eucharistic Adoration here in church from 6:30 to 8, and we're going to have confessions being heard in church. So. Hopefully that's something that would, you would enjoy and take advantage of. And our preaching series is going to begin this weekend. It's going to be on Mary. So we're going to talk about Mary for four weeks. Uh, we're just going to deep dive into Mary, who she is, the mystery of her and her life and the gift that she is to us in our church. So just really enjoy and look forward to um, working with Father Duga on that. And at Live Nativity, we want to invite all of you to come enjoy our Live Nativity at uh, our school. You can uh, join us in the car line. It starts... December 15th uh, at 6 p.m. You're all invited. Um, the, the admission drum roll is, is just bring a canned good. Uh, we're gonna give that to the, the poor and the needy. So finally, uh, save the day. Our next family night is gonna be March 12th, um, 2024. Through that next semester, March 12th in the spring. Certainly uh, has been a pleasure to be with you tonight. Um, I know you have to get home and get the kids um, bathed and ready, but how about a final blessing? May God bless you and keep you and sustain you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. Have a good night.